You're listening to the ministry of Potter's House Church Wandsworth, a Christian Pentecostal church based in South London, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our call is to reach the lost, make disciples and plant churches. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit us at phcwandsworth.co.uk. kind of set the stage for next week's series. So we're not in a new series, it's a one-off. But next week's series, we're going to, I'm going to be starting the, uh, the best gift. And I'm going to be preaching up until uh, Christmas. And so the best gift that God has ever given us is grace. It's His grace. And so I want to be preaching three messages on God's grace. And so uh, if you know some unsaved people that need to get saved, you need to bring them to these messages because we're going to believe God that God's going to save them. And basically what I'm saying is I'm going to break down the gospel in the simplest form I can so that people can give their lives to Jesus and come to know Jesus and find hope. How many know that we want to see more people have a life-changing experience with Jesus before the end of 2019? Amen. Listen, we're going to end the year strong in Jesus' name. And so uh, join with us in that. But let's, 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 let me get into the mission for today. Matthew 4, verse 19. I remember many, many years ago before I was saved, uh, I think it was a Saturday night or a Friday night. It was very late. Uh, I was doing what most unsaved young men do uh, on a Friday night or a Saturday night. And I remember uh, I was uptown somewhere. I was in like uh, West End or City. I can't remember where it was. And I remember there was this uh, KFC uh, that was open very, very late. And I remember I was, we was hungry, a few of my friends, we went in this KFC. And I remember we was in the line and all of a sudden, one of the, the KFC workers, the employees, shouted out, said, um, we've got no chicken. And so we was like, we thought that was really funny because we was like, then what are you selling? This is KFC, what are you, you talking fried chips? What, what are you selling? And so, you know, everyone started to laugh and mock and sell jokes because it's KFC. It's in your name. What, what do you, no, people don't go to uh, KFC for anything but the chicken. And we was like, what, well, you know, and this was going on back when and forth. People were laughing and joking among themselves and uh, all of this stuff. Because when you're known for this and it's in your name, we expect it. What about the church? Because when we look in the Bible, in the book of Acts, the beginning of the church, and even the disciples of Jesus, what we constantly see them doing, what we do not see them without is witnessing. What we see is them constantly witnessing. And just like KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, having no chicken, it's just Kentucky Fried, whatever it is, how that is almost absurd in the New Testament to take out witnessing, to see any Christians in the Bible that don't witness, that don't spread the gospel, that don't share the gospel is an anomaly. It meaning it doesn't, you don't see it. it does, it's just not seen. To look at the church in the, in the New Testament and see a church that does not witness, that does not share Christ, that's not taking the message of the gospel to new people and new boundaries, it doesn't exist. And so I want to preach a sermon, Fishers of Men, uh, how to become the best witness for Jesus. And we're going to read it from Matthew 4, verse 19. And the Bible says, Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
they immediately left their nets and followed him. Let's pray. Father, we just ask you right now for your grace, your mercy. I pray that you would speak to us in this message. Let your word go forth. Father, we pray for a supernatural encounter. We pray, Father, that you would anoint us. Father, that we would reach the lost, that we would be your witnesses in these last days. Father, that every Christian here would come to know you, Father, as a fruitful witness. Father, that you want to use their life. Father, and if there's anybody here that do not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that this sermon will be a witness for you to them, that they would come to know Jesus. We ask you this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Fishers of men. Let me just, that text um, where Jesus is speaking in Matthew that I read, Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And the first thing I want to pull out of this is that Jesus is saying witnessing to people is like fishing. When we are to be witnesses of people, there's a similarity between witnessing and fishing. Now, when you're going to catch fish, you've actually got to go where the fish are. How many know that? How many know you can't catch fish in your living room? You can't catch fish just sitting on your settee sitting in your favorite chair or your office, you will not catch fish that way. If you're going to catch fish, if we said, okay, we need you to catch fish, where would you go? You would go to where fish are. You would go uh, to the sea or to a lake or to the river. That's what you would do. And so the same is for us. Jesus is saying the church cannot just stay within the four walls of the church, that the church cannot just huddle with Christians, that the church has to go into the world has to go to where unsaved people are so that we're able to reach them. It's lovely that we have these connect groups and it's lovely that we are together helping one another. But just like uh, uh, Miles said, how many know there's more people out there that need what we've got? There's more people out there that that need this. There are some people out there, they are suicidal. There are some people out there, they are depressed. There are some people out there on drugs or on alcohol and they're drowning in their sin. And what we have, we have the antidote. We have the cure. We have the remedy. And we need to take that out there. I've said many times, imagine if we found that someone had discovered the cure for AIDS or Ebola or cancer and they were keeping it to themselves. Would we not say that person is wicked? Well, we have the cure for the thing that kills the most, and that is sin. Now, when we think of fishing in our modern age, we think of a guy, we think of recreational fishing. A guy going down to the river with his fishing rod. Where I live, there's people, they fish. I see them by the Thames, they're fishing. They got all their fishing gear. How many know they're not, they're not starving? Those people, they're not fishing to eat. It's a sport. It's recreation. And that's what we think about. A man and his rod, throwing his rod out, and he's fishing, and he's just chilling there. Sometimes I see them, they just got their rod just there. There's a rod stuck there, and then when this thing starts to move, then they pick it up. And we think like that, that God's going to make us one of those. But that's not Bible fishing. Because in Bible times, they weren't sitting by the, uh, uh, the Sea of Galilee with rods. They would go out in a boat and they would go out into the depths of the sea and fry a net. And when Jesus is saying, I'm going to make you fishers of men, he's saying, that's the type of fishing that I'm talking about. I remember uh, when I was in America, I saw this documentary 
I love documentaries, watching things, learning things. And so I was watching it like each day. And, and what it was showing me was these men, it was like on the Discovery Channel or something like that. And these men go in these boats and they go out into the depths of sea. I don't know if you've ever seen this type of program. And this, the boat is being tossed up and down. And these men are throwing out these nets and pulling them in. And there's cranes and these fish. And they, they bring the, 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 the fish on board and these cranes and they open it out and these fish spill out everywhere. But it's so dangerous. The sea is tossing them and they're fighting the wind and the waves. They've all got this weatherproof, waterproof gear on and it's dangerous. Listen, that type of lifestyle is not for the faint-hearted. They're pulling in these nets and it's dangerous and things are swinging around. I don't know if I would want to do that. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I get sick just... I don't know, having a bath or something, but you know, water's, I, I, no, 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 like I have a shower, amen. It's just like, hey, what's that smell? No, no, that's not me. And so, but this is the, this, when you watch those documents, you realize these, these are men, men. These are, these, are, these are the manly men. We need some more of those type of men. Amen. Some men will be like, no, my nails. <laughs> put that on. I don't want to put that on. I like to, you know. And so anyway, that's a whole other sermon. Amen. But what we need is, these men, this, this is dangerous work. When G, you got to remember, Jesus calls these fishermen. We see stories where the fishermen, where the disciples were out in a boat and it was a storm and they were scared for their life. Sometimes you could, the fishermen would go out and they would lose their life. So when Jesus says fisher of men, he weren't talking about this, oh, we've got your radio on, <laughs> this is so fun. <laughs> No, no, no. He's talking about, let's get in our boat. Let's go out into the deep. This is dangerous. You better have your muscles in gear. You better, they're pulling in nets. And he's saying evangelism and winning souls for Jesus is like that. I realize being a pastor this long, when we talk about evangelism, people recoil. Someone actually said to me about the growth exercise for the month. You know, we're going to return. Basically, we only have four different growth exercises. So if you wonder what is in January, we're back to the Word. And then after that, we'll be on prayer. And then after that, fellowship. Because really, those four things will make you grow. If you do those four things, Christianity is so simple. And someone actually texted me and said, yeah, this one's a hard one. Because we, we did the Bible, we did the prayer, we did the fellowship. Fellowship was good. Evangelist, this is the hard one. This is the hard one. And so many times people will be like, oh, pastor, you know what? Can't you make outreach more comfortable for us? Can't you make, listen, evangelism is not meant to be comfortable. When Jesus has become fishes of men, in their mind is this, wow, you got to go out into the deep, into storms. You can risk your life. He's saying evangelism is dangerous and uncomfortable. But, we got to do it because what we're trying to do is save souls. See, I can't preach a sermon on saving souls without mentioning hell. See, the reality is the Bible says that there are two places that every single individual will spend eternity. Eternity, that is forever. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven. Hell is forever. Hell is a place of torment. And so the Bible says that those that have rejected Christ will spend eternity in hell. You can say, I don't believe in it. I just don't believe in it. 
That's your prerogative. You don't have to believe in it. There are places where people do not believe. There are tribes where people civilized life, so to speak, and technology has not reached them yet. And if you told them that men flew in a tube with wings on it over the Atlantic, they'd say, I don't believe in it. But how many know whether you believe in it or not, it doesn't make it happen or not happen. It's just the way it is. Now, every single thing that the Bible has told us so far that needed to come true by now has come true. Every single prophecy that the Bible has given us that needed to come true by now has come true. This is why I believe the Bible when it speaks about heaven and hell. I believe it. I believe it. This is, this is why this subject is so serious. Now, hell is for eternity, like heaven is for eternity. See, we believe that there, there has to be some essence of eternity, and I've said this so many times. The reason why I believe there's an eternity, because if we ask, where did everything come from? And so some of you may be here and you believe in the Big Bang. Okay, what banged and what did it bang in? Oh, it was that thing. Okay, whatever that thing was, where did that come from? Oh, that thing came from the other thing. And as you keep going back, you have to keep saying that till there has to be something that didn't need anything to be a thing. It had to be there forever. That means even facts, even observable universe tells us there must be an eternity. Sound like a rap, isn't it? There has to be. And we, this is before, this is now that we know about thermodynamics and entropy and everything breaking down. But before men even knew that, in, a, in, the, in Bible times, in, in primitive times, the, the Bible said, no, there's an eternity. You better understand that, and you're going to spend eternity in one or two places. Listen, we break things into so many different categories. God doesn't use those categories. We use black categories and white categories. God doesn't use those categories. God doesn't see you as black or white. He sees you as a person. God loves variety. That's why he didn't make all the flowers the same color. He made different flowers. That's why he didn't make all the fruits taste the same. He likes different, he likes variety. God, we, we, we want to break things into black or white, or we want to break things into rich or poor. God doesn't care about rich or poor. God says, no, no, I don't judge people by richness or poor. You could have been here today, and what you've got on is worth 10,000 pounds. You may be here today, what you've got on is worth 10p. God loves you the same. God don't hate the rich, and he don't love the poor anymore. He's still with everybody the same. He's looking at your person. We break things into male and female. Women's rights. Push down the man. On man's rights. We feel neglected. Listen, God is not breaking things into male or female. God looks at all the same. God loves. He's made the man for the man and the woman for the woman. He's made us different. He's made us man to do manly things and women to do women things. He's made us different. This is what he's made us for. But the one thing where God distinguishes is heaven and hell. That's the line he's going to draw. The Bible says at the end, he's going to bring everybody together and he's going to divide the sheep from the goats. That's what he's going to do. And what we do is, when we witness, we give people the gospel and we give them an opportunity so that they can give their life to Jesus, so they don't go to hell. I know you probably won't hear this many times when you listen to popular preaching. And I'm not saying we should hear it every week, but we have to talk about it because Jesus spoke about it. We will not progress past this truth because this is the whole reason for everything. See, you think about it now, there are people that are on their way to hell, to this eternal flame, the Bible says, 
And when, when we meet them, we can witness to them and we can, we can save them from that. And so really what Jesus is kind of saying is like, we're like spiritual firemen. We're rescuing people. When, I, when This year, me and my wife, we went to New York before we went to Tucson. And I took my wife to New York. It's her 40th. And so I said, all right, we're going to go around New York. We went around Manhattan. We went to Times Square. I showed you some pictures before. Empire State Building. And so we went to the museum, the 9-11 Museum in Manhattan. And it's very interesting. I suggest if you go there, it's very interesting. So we went around the museum. And it comes to a point where you go in this room and it's, and it's got the radio of the firemen speaking to one another. And they're like, we're on this floor, we're going up on that floor. And they rescue some more people. And this building, they know this building is on fire and this building can collapse. And these men keep going up. That's all they're doing. They're going up to find more people. And you see them on this floor. And then they're going, we found some more people. Keep going, keep going, go down. And they're going, we're going up. And you can hear, it's going up, yeah. And you can hear the controller and the, the firemen. And they go up and they go up. And then it breaks connection. The building collapsed. There's only one word that we use to describe these men, heroes. It's heroes. That people that risk their own life to save others. See, in life, we remember people that do things to save other people. How many know that? There are people alive today walking around in America because those firemen went and helped them. Is there anybody here that thinks, oh, them firemen, they were gassed up? No. You'd be insane to think that. We, we say these people are heroes. When we see people that, that do something for somebody, we recognize them, we remember them. I, I, there's some pictures here. Let me see if we can, can we get those pictures up? A few people here. Now you may think, I asked the, the lady that does the projector, does she know who this person is? She said, no. Does anybody know who this is? One person half put up their thumb. <laughs> I don't know if they were scratching their thumb. Or, this is Wilbur Wilberforce. How many know Wilbur Wilberforce is? Wilbur Wilberforce is an abolitionist. He's the guy that stood up in Parliament and argued for the end of slavery. And he basically sacrificed his political career because at that point it wasn't fashionable. Now we understand it's in, in Western society it's fashionable to be caring. Them times, mm -mm. to stand up and say, no, this is wrong, this is, this is bad, I'm a Christian. This guy, Wilbur Wilberforce, he stood up and he said, no, this, this is wrong, man. And he fought and he fought and he was sick and he fought for it. And he, he actually died, uh, I think, just before they actually put the law through. And they laughed at him. In the, they would mock him in the Houses of Parliament and he would get up again and say, I want to protest against this thing. This slavery is wicked and it's ungodly. And so Wilbur Wilberforce, we remember he's changed the lives of many people. Next picture, please. How many of you know this is? Huh? You don't know? I was going to say, man, we need to take you back to school. That one I was going to say, yeah. How many? Nelson Mandela. Now, I, you know, there's political things around Nelson Mandela. Do we understand? No man is Jesus and so no one's perfect. But here was a man that stood for a principle. 
He stood for a principle, and in South Africa, this is, here is a man that was willing to go to prison for a principle, and we, mem- we remember him. There's a statue of him. There are people, his, his face is iconic. I just needed to put his face up. And here is this ordinary man. He's, no, he's not a superhuman. We wouldn't dissect him, and he has two hearts and five lungs. and he, not a pow- He's an ordinary man like me and you. But he stood for a principle, and we remember him. Next photo. How many know who this is? Martin Luther King. And so here we have a man, again, stood for a principle, civil rights in America. And so here is this man who fought for rights. People's lives have changed. Our lives have changed. This this person has had an effect upon people's lives. And so these three people have said their lives saved people from slavery and oppression. We understand the world is not a perfect place, but these three men have changed the world and made it a better place. They've improved it. Saving people from slavery and oppression. Next slide. How many know this is? Mother Teresa went around doing good things. Now, you know, again, do I agree with everything she believes? Probably not. But she went around doing good things. She wasn't rolling with a Uzi. <laughs> How many know that? She wasn't jacking nobody. Like, see, Mother Teresa, uh, it's Mother Teresa. Let's, let's get out of here. She's like, what are you looking at? No, no. So she's doing good things. And so when you think about it, trying to bring our attention to people who are suffering, trying to save people from poverty and suffering and all of these things. Next slide. This is Florence Nightingale, and known as the the nurse and helping people from sickness. And so all of these people I've mentioned, they've helped people either from slavery or oppression or poverty or sickness. They've tried to help people. But I want to say this. As good as those people are, every single person those people helped still had to die. What I mean by that, let's say there's someone in slavery and I protest for them and I get them free from slavery. It's a good thing. But that person, even if they're 20, they're still going to live out their life and die. Maybe I see someone who's in poverty and I bring them out of poverty, I educate them and I help them. And they were born into poverty, they're 20, and I educate them and they get a good job and they go into the city and they earn loads and they become a millionaire and they live to 90. They're still going to die. Maybe someone's sick, they're sick in their body and all of this is going on. And so they're, they're, they're sick in their body and I invent some sort of medical treatment and they get well again. But they're not going to stay well forever. They're going to die. Each one of these scenarios, people die. And when they die, if they do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if they haven't got right with God, they then go to hell. I've saved the body, but I've neglected the soul. And the body lasts for a limited amount of time, but the soul is forever. This is why the mission of the church is not only to help the body, but to deliver the soul from sin. We want the soul to be saved because that is for eternity. This is what Jesus taught us. See, this is why 
the greatest thing you can ever do is witness. Am I saying, Pastor, should we not help poor people? We should help them. Am I saying we shouldn't uh, 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 speak up against injustice? We should speak up against injustice and racism and slavery and all of these other ills that affect this world. We should be a, a, a lighthouse to the world. This is how you live in unity and love and equality. But I want to tell you, we cannot neglect the most important task at hand. That is to save the soul. I cannot be happy to save you for 90 years and then lose you for eternity. And this is why the best thing, we just said we remember all those people that saved people's bodies, saved their life. But what about you? If you can save the soul of somebody, doesn't that make you, doesn't that make you just as important? By saving the soul, there is no greater thing you'll do with your life. There is no greater thing you will do with your life. There is no greater thing you will do with your life than to save somebody's soul for eternity. You may design the cure for many diseases. Wonderful, please do it. Do it quick. But saving of the soul is going to be far more important. You may go into parliament, into politics, and you, you bring some equality and righteousness and judgment, uh, right judgment to this world. Do it. Do it quick. Do it. Why not? But the soul is the most important thing. Uh, there, there is no greater thing that you're going to do than witness to your family. Let me ask you this question. Where is your family going? Where is your family going? Where are your brothers and your sisters going? Your mother, your father, where are they going? Where are they going to spend eternity? Have you, have you tried your best to witness to them? Have you tried your best to compel them, to pray for them, to strategize? I, I love the sermon that uh, Pastor Brandon spoke about, such a good point. Uh, and he spoke about his father-in-law, that he wants to take him to the airport so that he can just give him the gospel. I remember driving with one of my uh, uh, clients, sorry, one of my uh, colleagues from work, and we'd have to go on a business meeting. We'd be in the car for hours, and I'd put the Bible on tape on. And he'd be listening to it. He'd be like, wow. I put Genesis on, and it, you know in Genesis where it says Abraham lived to 900? He was like, cool, blimey. These people lived a long time. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, God's going to save him. He's going to get And he's like, cool, mate, 800 years. <laughs> But listen, are you, are you, what about your friends? How can you call someone a friend and you haven't given them the gospel yet? How can you call someone a friend and you haven't given them the gospel yet? What about the people you work with? What about in this, your college and your school? Have you shared the gospel with them? People are the priority. This is why Jesus says, I've made you fishers of men. The church is not to fish for position. I'm not fishing for position. I'm not fishing to be known. I'm not fishing to be a celebrity. I'm not fishing. I, it doesn't matter to me if I'm never known by anybody. If people are getting saved, that's all I need. I'm not fishing to be the next superstar. I'm not fishing for position or power. 
I'm not fishing for those things. That's not what we're meant to be fishing for. We don't come to church to fish for titles. When are you going to make me this? I want to be the leader of this. I want to be known. I'm, uh, you, will you know me? Listen, it's, who cares? That's not what Jesus told us to fish for. Jesus never told us to fish to make the world like us. So that we're popular or trendy. or I'm not saying these things are wrong, but these are not our priorities. We do not fish for that. People are our priorities. He said, go fishing for people. Lost people are the priority of the church. Let me speak about how do we do this. And it's very simple. Jesus says in our text, follow me. If you're going to be a fisher of men, you've got to follow Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. You know what Jesus is saying? Be like me. And that sounds elementary, but so many times we can miss this point. And let me just say this now. When people spend time with you and you leave, do you, does a residue of Jesus remain with them? When you meet up with someone, yeah, how are you doing, sis? Yeah, it's great. When you leave, do they feel like that's what it would have been like to spend time with Jesus? Because Jesus is saying, follow me, be like me. When people look at you, they see Jesus. That is what God wants. It seems so basic. Sometimes there's too much Courtney for them to see Jesus. Courtney's getting in the way. Is there some Jesus in there? No, look at me. They see that we get offended where Jesus wouldn't get offended. They see that we get excited where Jesus wouldn't. Jesus is like, okay, that's good, but I'm not really, I don't really care about those things. Do, do people see Jesus? See do people see Jesus in you? Do they see someone who lives holy? Because Jesus was holy. But they, do they also see someone who's kind? Jesus was also kind. See, what I find is, depending on our personality, we lean more to one way or the other way. See, some of us, you need a little bit more of holy Jesus. You need a little bit more hope. Because when people look at you, they don't see anything different than you in the world. They don't see nothing different than you in the world other than you come to church. Be very careful that you're not coming to church for a long period of time living in the same way you was living because you make the church a mockery. You're still raving, sleeping around, selling drugs, uh, driving without a license. I don't know why that one... Maybe it's, uh, you mean, now, we're not talking about new. You might be new here and you're trying to figure some stuff out. That's fine. New, I mean a couple of months, not a couple of years. So I was like, yeah, I'm new, man. I've just been there like eight years. So I'm still new. The pastor said it's new. You can't, you, 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 people, we just start to see some holiness in you. Because you're, you're the reason why people say that church is a hypocrite. Christians are hypocrites. You didn't realize it was you. You was like, yeah, the church is a hypocrite. You're the hypocrite. Says always judging. No, you, 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 you. But some of us, we, we're good at that part, but we need some kindness. We're so quick to judge. We're so quick. Hey, what? That's the matter. We're so quick to judge. There's not much kindness. 
Jesus was kind. Jesus was kind. Kindness is part of the Holy Spirit. When we spend time with Jesus, when we spend time with people, do they see, wow, that brother's kind and that brother's living holy. Do they see that? Do they, do they, do they come away with that feeling that, you know what, this is, this is what it would have been like if, if, if I was spending time with Jesus and Jesus followed me. That means you've got to look to Jesus, focus in on him. That means you've got to linger with Jesus, spend time with him. That means you've got to learn from Jesus, let him lead you. Christian, if you want to be a fisher of men, look to Jesus, linger with Jesus, learn from Jesus. Look to him. Make him your focus. You can't just come to church. We've got to make Jesus. He says, follow me. How many know when you're following somebody, you've got to watch them? So many times I've been following someone in a car, but I've got people in my car, I'm having a conversation, and then they turn off and I never saw. You look at me like, that's never happened to me. I thought you were going to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That, that I'm following them, and I think I'm following them, and they, they call me, hey, where are you? Are, are, are you not? No, 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 okay, that's not you. That's how we can be with Jesus, because our eyes are not on him. Lingering with Jesus, we've got to spend time with him in prayer, in Bible. Linger with Jesus. When the disciples preached, the people said, these men have been with Jesus. There was so much Jesus on them, they said, these men have been with Jesus. There's something about these men. There's a boldness, there's a charismaticness, there's an anointing. They've been with Jesus. When you get around people, the people will be like, that brother's been with Jesus. Or maybe, you've, been with, do they feel that you've been with Jesus or you've just been with Instagram? I don't know why I said that. Let's, let's help me with Jesus. Learn from him. Let him lead you. Listen, if you want to be a fisher of men, people got to see Jesus in you. When people saw Jesus, they saw hope. Everywhere on the Bible, people were running to Jesus. They saw hope. You think about it now. Jesus never had to chase anybody. Have you read that? People were running after him. Jesus never changed anybody. We live in a world today when we, you know, you start talking about Jesus. But, ah, we don't want no Jesus. But many times what they're saying is not really that they don't want Jesus. They don't want what they thought was Jesus. They don't want that religion. They don't want that holiness without kindness. They don't want that silly, sloppy kindness without holiness. They, oh, we reject that. But really and truly, when you break it down, we say, what is it that you don't like about him? You don't like his kindness? You don't like his hope? You don't like that he sacrificed for you? Most people, when you break it down, there isn't nothing not to like about Jesus. Jesus is like a hero. And if you look in it, if Jesus is in us, we become a fishers of men. We will become far better at being fishers of men because people will come to us. They'll come to us. Think about it now. Jesus is preaching in a wilderness and people come to him. They're flocking to him. Like we're like, yeah, we've got to put the church in the right location. Right on the corner, we've got to have a sign. And like, Jesus is like, I forget all that. Just give me a wilderness. <laughs> people are flocking. We've got to like, oh, we've got to make sure it's the right season. Don't preach too long. Don't preach too short. Don't, let's get it right temperature and everything. They listened to Jesus till they, they, they forgot about eating. Jesus had to multiply food for them. They would have just sat there eating. Jesus, the disciples were like, these people are going to starve to death listening to you. That's how much people wanted Jesus. The Bible says there was, Jesus is preaching in a house. The house is ram. No one can get into the house. They had to break the roof. 
to get someone into the house. What that tells me is people want Jesus. People really do want Jesus. But what I've got to do is, Courtney, you've got to look to Jesus, linger with Jesus, learn from Jesus, get Jesus in you, and people will want what you've got, but they don't want religion, they want Jesus. And the more Courtney will become like Jesus, the more Courtney becomes a fisher of men. Let me close with this. Evangelism and witnessing is the most powerful thing that you can ever do. But because the devil knows that he's going to fight it. It's one of the things that the longer I'm saved, it's one of the things that never fully gets easy. It's one of the things that I've got to constantly keep as my priority. Because I realize it can so easily slip if I'm not conscious. I've got to keep it as my priority. I can become so busy with other things and the church becomes so busy with other things and we, we modernize and we have a website and Instagram and we have this thing, we have advertising. I want to tell you, advertising and witnessing are two different things. Advertising and witnessing are two different things. We have the technology now to advertise, but it doesn't mean that we don't need to witness anymore. We still need to be witnesses. It can be one of the most difficult things that you're ever going to do for Jesus. And some of you, maybe, I don't think I can do this. But let me encourage you. Yeah, how many of you have you've ever bought something from Ikea? Yeah, a few of you here. Okay, praise God. You know what I'm talking about. And so um, when I get stuff from Ikea, I bring it home, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, it comes in boxes. You deliver, they deliver it or you pick it up. Uh, you pack up the car and you bring it upstairs and, and then you open the box and you've you got to put it together. You've got to make it. I don't bring something from Ikea, put it like in the office. If I've got a desk, put it in the office and then go out the office and go to bed and wake up and, hmm, how come it's still in the box? I don't do, how many know I don't do that? If I do that, you need help. I don't do that because I'm not expecting the furniture to make itself. I make it. Jesus says, I will make you a fisher of men. Jesus, you're like, I don't know if I can do this. Jesus says, I know you can't do it. I will make you a fisher of men. Jesus says, if you just follow me, follow me. How is that? Come follow me. A few Jamaican snigger. They know what I'm talking about. The rest of you just pretend like you are. <laughs> and so, uh, I've lost my place now. Yeah, so for, Jesus says, follow me. And then he says, I'm going to make you. As you start to look to Jesus, linger with Jesus, learn from Jesus, Jesus is like, yeah, now I'm going to start to unwrap. And I'm going to start to put together and I'm going to start to drill and build and support. And Jesus is going to make you a fisher of men. You want your family saved, friends saved. You want God to use your life. You've got ministry. You want anointing. You want to preach the gospel, plant a church, be a missionary. I want to tell you, you've just got to follow Jesus. You haven't got to think this thing up, oh, pastor, I'm not that creative. I'm not innovative. I haven't got all these ideas. How am I going to do it? Do not burden yourself with all the details. Follow Jesus and he will make you the fisher of men. Go before God and pray and get on your knees and say, God, I want my family to be saved. And God says, that's all I need. Follow me and I will make you. I will make you.
Some of you would be like, Pastor, I've tried that. There's still more encouragement for you. Luke 5, verse 4. Let's read this text. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have, told, we have toiled, worked hard, that means, all night and caught nothing. So here's these men, they've been trying to fish and they've caught nothing. Then Simon Peter says this, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their nets were breaking. So that they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they begin to sink. The disciples, this is Peter, he's a fisherman. He'd been fishing all night. He comes into shore, he's washing his nets. Jesus says, can I use your boat? He says, yeah, Jesus, get in the boat. So Jesus gets in the boat and he starts to preach from the boat. So that the people, he lets Jesus into his boat. Then Jesus says, let's go out and catch some fish. Simon Peter's like, listen, 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 listen. We was, we've been working all night, toiling. He didn't even say toiling. That's like sweat, agony. We've been working at this. Pastor, I've been trying to get my family saved. I've been trying to come on outreaches. I've been trying to do this. I've been toiling. And Jesus says, no, no, let's go, let's go deep. Go deep. Jesus is saying to some of you, come, we need to go a bit deeper in your walk with me. Come deeper with me. Go deeper in your word, deeper in prayer. Cast that into the deep. And Simon Peter says, all right. He says, I don't think it's going to work. That's basically 2019. I don't think this is going to work, but I'll do it anyway. And the Bible says that they catch so many fish that their nets are breaking. That's like seeing so many people get saved. We don't have enough chairs. People are sitting. We fill this whole building. People are standing, sitting at the floor that we don't have enough. He said, signal to the other uh, uh, guys that we get so many people saved that we have to say, listen, some of you, we, we do have a church in Fulham. Can we send 100 people to Fulham? Some of you, listen, I know you live near uh, 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 Kingston. We've got a church in Kingston. We can send 100 of you there. We just don't have the ministry here right now. How many would like that type of problem? See, Jesus is going to make you a fisher of men. Why? It was Jesus that made those fish come into that net. Not the skill of the fisherman. The fisherman didn't even think it was going to work. Some of you, even as I'm preaching, I don't know if it's going to work. You're going to come to, yeah, let me tell you about Jesus. And people, let me come. Because you're like, John 21 verse 5. Jesus said to them, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. This is when the disciples have gone back to fishing. They were fishermen. Jesus says, we read where they left their nets. They, they came and followed Jesus. They see Jesus die, so they go back to fishing. This is like, I've tried the church thing. I've tried ministry. Uh, I've tried witnessing. Let me go back to sorting myself out. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered, no. They had caught nothing anyway. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
So they cast, and now they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. Here they are fishing. They're doing it their own way, doing it without Jesus. Jesus comes along and says, how's things going? They're like, this, this thing is not working. Jesus says, do it the other way. Cast it the other side. Jesus says, do it the right way. And they do it his way, his leading. And the Bible says they catch so much that they can't even pull it in. How many would like to be coming to church next week with your whole family? Your whole family. How many would like to be at Christmas this year and you look around the table and everybody's saved? Listen, none of us are going to live forever. But as we stand over the graves of our loved ones, let it be just by for now. I want to see you soon. You've just gone ahead preparing for me. Yeah, bye for now. Because you witnessed to them, you prayed for them, you went deep with Jesus, you said, God, this is my priority, I want to see my family saved. This month, we're going to believe God, I'm praying, I'm fasting, that for your families and your friends and the people you work with, that God's going to open their hearts. I'm praying for the mind of God, that each sermon will be just what people needed these next three weeks. Join with me in prayer. Join with us. We said we're going to try to witness to at least seven people a week. Listen, Saturday we have an outreach. You could do your whole seven on Saturday. It's a lot easier. <laughs> Tell you that. But I don't mind. Listen, however you do it, God is going to use you. God is going to use you. In Rotherhive, there was a disciple. His name was Simeon. Today he's Pastor Simeon. Back in... Uh, 95, he was just Brother Simeon. He was the disciple in the church. Brother Simeon was on Elephant and Castle and he witnessed to a young ragamuffin. It wasn't me. The guy's name is Peter. Good friend of mine. One of my best men. I think he was my best man. He witnesses to this young guy. This guy's going nowhere. His life is going nowhere. He's just a statistic. He's just going nowhere. And Simeon witnesses to Peter and Peter comes to the church, it was on Old Kent Road, and Peter gets saved, radically saved. Peter gets saved, his girlfriend gets saved. His, that's, within six months' time, Peter is in the same place on Elephant and Castle, witnessing with Simeon now. Peter sees this young guy called Damien, and he gives him a flyer because he recognizes him from school, Stockwell Park. They went, and he says, listen, let me give you this flyer. There's Jesus, there's hope. That guy takes that flyer home. His friend comes around and sees that flyer and asks about the flyer, and that friend was me. And I saw that flyer in his house, and I said, you know what? Let me go down to that church. And when I went to the church, one of the first people that I met there was Peter. And he became one of my best friends, and he was the best man at my wedding. There is nothing greater than witnessing. What one soul can do, think about this now, Simeon witnessed, to, that night he could have been like, ah, oh, forget this. Peter wouldn't have got saved. Maybe Damien wouldn't have got that flyer. I wouldn't have got saved. This church wouldn't be here. 
what can we do this season that is going to spark so many people getting saved and change eternity? There is nothing greater than you can do than become a fisher of men. Amen? I want every head bowed, every eye closed. We hope you've been blessed, edified and challenged by the sermon to reach the lost and make disciples. For more information on what we do and who we are, visit us at phcwandsworth.co.uk.